if you're looking for people, you know, monsters don't show up looking like monsters. Right. Hi, I'm Esther Boykin. And I'm Erica Turner. We're licensed marriage and family therapists. And together we run Therapy is Not a Dirty Word, a collection of workshops, retreats, happy hours, and other awesome ways, like this podcast, to bring people and therapists together in real life. With that being said, here's the podcast. All right. So for this podcast episode, we are talking about um bad parents um (laughs) (laughs) so you know I think obviously as therapists we don't like to use that term right like we don't like to say we don't like to call people bad parents and um as we'll talk about it's always like it's always more complicated than someone's just a bad parent um you know, that's never just like the beginning and end of that story. Um, and, but we, we did want to talk about these two, um, two cases. I don't know how to even describe them. So one is that two cases that we found recently, one is, um, a video that's been going around Twitter, um, that we will play a little clip of at some point. Um, but it's essentially, uh, adolescent girl I don't know I don't think we know exactly how old she is but you get the sense that she's maybe a young teen Mm -hmm. um something teenage age something teenage was my my take um um who is telling her mom that her boyfriend the mom's boyfriend has sexually abused her um and then another video or I shouldn't say video but I guess we can call it a documentary. Um, yeah, it's a movie. Yeah. Uh, true story. True story, a, though. Yeah. Yeah. Of a, um, I think she was 12 when this all started. It, it's called Abducted in Plain Sight. Um, and it is about a 12-year-old who gets abducted by her neighbor, who is a close, close family friend. Um, and the whole process and how how that sort of happens. Um, so I thought we would kind of start by talking um, about the video of the teenage girl telling her mom um, about her, about the boyfriend's actually abusing her. Um, and I, th- I think it would be, it's a short video. It's not very long. Um, and you don't see the two faces of the women in the video. Um, and I, you know, I think the, the audio is really the most important thing. So we wanted to go ahead and play at least a little clip here, um, so that you could kind of get a feel for what's happening. Um, I think having, I think there, there's something about really hearing it. It's, It's different than the story. So we'll play the clip now. Yeah. He came in your room last night. What did you do? What did you do? I was asleep. Okay, and then he did what? What the fuck did he do? What did he, he do to you? He touched me. Touched you where? Touched me in the wrong places. I, I'm i sick of this bullshit. For real. This is you, a good motherfucking man. Said, you run around all I'm day in motherfucking booty shorts. What the fuck was you doing when he came? 
over here and but he why came out the room. Why are you mad at me? It's your boyfriend. You're my motherfucking daughter. You're trying to take my motherfucking man. That's a problem. I'm not trying to take your That's man. That's a problem. So, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's. You know, it's interesting because we we talked about this like my reaction and it's probably gonna be true for this whole episode like there's levels to, you know like the therapist in me has one feeling and the mom in me has a feeling and but there is a part of me that just almost surprisingly so is like are you kidding mm-hmm. what's right. happening right yeah mm-hmm. just that like initial shock as you're kind of listening to it yes and I like, don't know. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just yeah. I was just gonna say yes. That's it. Like I, there's a piece of it where I'm like, who? Despite my work and knowing better, there's always this little voice to me that's like, who talks to their daughter like this? Mm-hmm. How, this is not a you know. How is this the your response? And also, I think the part where it's like it, it's clear like this is not the first conversation you've had, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. She's saying he came into my room again. And then, you know, the mom is sort of saying, you know, I'm, I'm sick of this. I don't want to talk about this. Right. Yeah. Like, so it's clear that this is, she's tried to tell her what's going on before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I don't know, you know, if for you, one of the things that was, was if you had a similar experience as I did, where I've heard this story, right? Like I've, I've heard the story of the kid who's usually now an adult in in my Mm -hmm. office telling me about how they weren't believed, right? Like um, about how they tried to tell their mom or their dad or someone and someone didn't believe them or said it was their fault or just pretended it wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was something about, really seeing that um, brought to life that was I found it sort of gut punching Um, yeah you know yeah Um, it just feels and maybe that's I think that's the piece of it right like certainly as therapists like I I do a fair amount of trauma work so I sit with typically adults and they're retelling it and it is extremely painful. You know, it's painful for them to, to retell and it's painful to sort of sit with and hear it. Like there's not a lessening of the emotion, but it is different than actually kind of hearing or watching in real time, the, the dynamic between like the two people and understanding like, wow, you're really choosing not to connect to like just how serious this is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think also one of the things for us, you know, people, people ask all the time, and I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, people ask all the time, like, how do you do this work? How can you do this? It must be so hard to listen to people's, you know, pain and, and their, their difficult stories. But we are a part of a process that's helping to make it better, right? Like, our work is trying to help heal things that have happened, And I think for both of these, like when we're watching both of these videos that we're talking about today, you're in it in real time, right? Like, and so there's this helplessness, I think that I don't, 
usually feel as a therapist. Like as a therapist, I'm sort of like, I'm, I'm part of the journey to help you get better, right? Like I'm Mm -hmm. a part of that journey. But as you're watching, you know, either of these videos, you're just like, this is awful. And I'm not, I, I, I feel sort of like, you know, like there's nothing I can do. And I think that might be part of why both of these videos, I mean, there's so many reasons why watching both of these was hard, but I think that's one reason why, even though we're used to hearing awful things, it's, it's still hard to hear it when you're just like, I don't, well, what happens now? Well, you know, what is going to be the process after this? I think that, I think you're right. And it's because you're right. We've talked about this and I don't think I had thought about it quite as much, but it really, it's literally just sort of, oh, I'm just along for the ride. And I think we've also talked about this. I tend to be fairly selective about the things that I watch. I think you do too. Like, and mm-hmm. it's not that I don't ever watch things that are upsetting or traumatizing or, you know, have these kinds of emotional, res- that elicit this kind of emotional response, but I don't do it very often because it's difficult to disconnect from, from the rest of the story. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I know what it is to sit with that, the 12 year old or the teenager 10, 15, 20 years later while right. we're still trying to process that. And so I think that's also part of it. Like in watching this video is thinking about like what that girl is experiencing now and what that mean that is likely to mean for her literally for the rest of her life, like how all the ways it shows up and all the times that it's going to continue to hurt her mm-hmm. is yeah. That's like a really difficult place to be right. and to watch that. But um and it's also, you know, the part of me that is, that genuinely believes in the idea, just talking to somebody about this, we, we did not agree on this, but that it, you know, there's a part of me that feels like at any given moment, people are always doing the best that they can, right? Like there's mm-hmm. whatever they're doing, like it makes sense in their head. And with the exclusion of a very small percentage of people who, you know, are sociopaths or, you know, like which is a very tiny, tiny bit of the population, population. Of the right. population that right. most of us are out here. And at any given moment, we're just doing the best we know how to do that makes sense with the way we're, we are viewing the world. And that's mm-hmm. it. So I try to have a lot of compassion and it's really hard to have compassion for the parents in these situations. Like I, even though I can get it and some of like what's going on with them, it's just like, I just want to shake them. It's mm-hmm. literally just a lot of like, what the fuck? Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's it. That's, those are all the words I have. Those are all the words. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm a professional. I'm supposed to have more words than that. <laughs> right. And I think, I mean, I think that, you know, it's really difficult from the outside to have any idea, you know, how in this case, this first video, like how a mom could say that to her daughter, how she couldn't stop everything she was doing and sort of say, Oh my God, you know, we need to protect you. Um, It's hard to understand how anybody gets to that place, but I, I share your view, obviously (laughs) that (laughs) we are all trying to do the best we know how to do. Um, And that I can't, you know, I can't explain why. I mean, I have some hypotheses as to why, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that 
a mom might have that reaction. Um, but that, you know, there's always more to that story. You know, that's never, it's, it's never just, she's a bad mom and that's the end of the story. Yeah. Despite the visceral. And, and I think I want to sort of normalize that, right. Is how much that is part of how we try to function and how as humans, we try to conceptualize the world is this idea that they're good people and they're bad people. Right. And bad people do bad things and good people do good things. And that's how it works. And it's like, I know very clearly that that is not a true construct. And even I have like that moment of like, oh my God, how can she be such an awful mom? Right. How could she be such, she's, she's awful. She's terrible. But it's like, there's more to it than that. Right. That's not actually how humanity works. But we want it to, right? Like we really, really want that to be true. Exactly. I mean, I think that construct feels safer. Like if that were true, then the world makes sense. If there Mm -hmm. are bad people and good people, then the world makes sense. And instead, of course, it's a lot messier and a lot more complicated than that. Like, I don't know what this woman's story is, but there's some story there that got her to a place of, you know, I, I'm going to disbelieve my daughter. Um, when she tells me that my boyfriend is sexually abusing her, Mm -hmm. she didn't get there for no reason. Something has happened to her to get her to that place. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, absolutely. Like you don't, and I think we don't want, I feel like there's a part of us that we don't want to acknowledge that for a lot of reasons, but then it, it undermines the, hard, the more we grasp onto this concept that bad people look like bad people and are bad people, like it undermines our ability to actually intervene when somebody is doing something that is destructive to themselves or to somebody in this case, like in particular to children. Right. That's actually, I think a really good segue segue into the second video. And that way we can talk about both of mm-hmm. them more. Um, but the, the documentary, I'll let you describe the documentary. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you why I describing the documentary, which was a lot, a lot. It's it's a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a lot. There's a lot happening Mm -hmm. and then not happening. Um, so I mean, I guess strokes because it takes place over what? Three? Three years? Four years? I, it's... I don't... I lost... I lost track. It was I... all... It was just too much. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I will say... I mean, I guess... Sort of spoiler alert. Like, I never feel like it's really a spoiler. Like, it's a true story. So, yeah. like, the facts of this this story are out here. It's not... We're not ruining the movie for you. Um, right. I mean, it's called Abducted in Plain Sight. Like, you know the girl's gonna get abducted. You right. know that that's... Yeah. Plus, it's it in happens, the title, friends. And it's... And it happens in the first ten minutes. So, you're good. That's also true. Also. <laughs> so true. Yeah. I think what, what I, uh, so how I will describe it is it is exactly what the title implies and like, and not plain sight in that, like they were watching her in the front lawn, but it's literally the story of essentially this man who's clear. I mean, he's clearly a pedophile and seems, I, I try to be, I'm cautious in my like, flippantly throwing diagnoses out in the world. I know better than that. That's not generally professionally responsible. I 
feel relatively comfortable saying that there are certainly some sociopathic tendencies yeah. displayed in the story. For um, sure. Yeah. Um, but essentially, it is the retelling of a true story. And, and you actually get to see, like, the, a lot of the people who are part of the story, the girl who gets abducted, like you get to know them now as adults. They, they're really telling their story of essentially this man who becomes, you know, he's married and whatever, like he befriends this family and decides he's infatuated and fixated on one particular daughter and literally um, abducts her. Not once, not twice, but three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and really the story, to me, what is both incredibly disturbing and, and fascinating, because I'm a therapist and, you know, people, is less about him and the trauma and, like, and, I mean, really, the elaborate lengths he goes to to kind of infiltrate this family and, and, and continually, like, steal this child. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is how her parents in particular, but it's really how the people around them basically allow their, their need to hang on to this idea that bad people do bad things and it's going to look a certain way and we'll know for sure that allows them to be really complicit in this horrifically traumatizing experience that this girl goes through over the course of, I think it is like three years or something. Um, Yeah, I mean, they really just... Yeah, I mean, at one point, yeah. <clears throat> you're not even... Certainly, if I... I could put sort of my forensic brain on, like, my forensic hat on and, like, think about, you know, the psychopathology of this guy. Mm-hmm. But it's it's far less interesting and far less... He is disturbing, but it is it's it's more gut wrenching to watch the people around her and not purposefully, obviously, but they collude in her sexual abuse Um, and they do so for a number of reasons. I mean, one of which is that so it takes place in the 70s and I just think partly it's there's just not as much education or understanding Mm -hmm. of sexual abuse, molestation, pedophilia. Um, So there's, there's clearly like a a knowledge barrier that I think, you know, I'm not going to say this couldn't happen in the year of our Lord, 2019, but (laughs) it, it seems less likely to happen given um, a a better and obviously still very imperfect but a better cultural understanding of molestation and abuse. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to, no. Well, I was just going to add to that to say, to just underscore. So when people are like, why is there so much more conversation about this? And why, like when people, I think as therapists in particular, when we're like, you need to use correct terminology. We need to have like open, honest, public discourse around things like this it is in part because of stories like this. Like literally the FBI agent talks about like, this is in the seventies. He's like, you know, he's an FBI agent whose job is finding children who've been abducted. And he was unfamiliar with the term pedophilia. Yeah. He's like, I'm sure it was around, but you know, stranger danger. And like, that's, 
that definitely I felt strongly like contributed to all of the other reasons why this this story like went so horribly horribly wrong but I think that you're right not well, just the lack of awareness and the idea too that you know he exactly that stranger danger piece like we know that children are most likely to be abused by somebody they know overwhelmingly yes they're more likely to be abused by somebody they know than to be taken off the street or you know you know some sort of unknown person um assaulting them and of course there wasn't that knowledge then yeah um and so i think also clearly this guy was some sort of like master manipulator i I don't think you can i mean there's a point in there where he convinces he's in jail and he convinces two guys to burn down the dad's business they're all in jail they get out of jail and he has convinced them to burn down the dad's business which they then go to jail for um so it's clear that you know this guy is for whatever reason a, a a, like an exceptional manipulative person. Yeah. Next um, level. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, I, I don't think you can deny that. And I think that there's also a danger in thinking that anyone under the right context is, can be manipulated into a much greater degree of behaviors than you think. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that. I was actually listening to a podcast, um, I'm not going to remember her name, but she was writing a book about con men, con men um, and talking about like, you know, she would interview some of them and experiences where, you know, they'd be trying to run a con on her um, and she would have to remind herself like, no, 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 he's a con man. Like, you can't listen to any of this. Like, she, yeah. like she goes into the situation knowing that's what it is and still like, you know feels like she could fall under their spell. So I definitely think that there are people who are exceedingly manipulative. Um, And I definitely think that's a factor in in what's happening. Yeah. Um, You know? Yeah. I think there's, I mean, yeah, that's a good actually place to sort of preface all this by saying like, there is a piece of this that is just about like this particular man and his, you know, bizarre next level ability to manipulate people into all kinds of things. Um, right. Yeah. Which I guess I won't, I guess that would be, that, that feels like spoiling the movie for those of you who are going to go watch. I won't share some of the ways in which he does that, but um, I think which, you know, which happens in the video with the mom and the teenage daughter as well is, that I was also really struck by, not because I don't already know this, but like by the use of shame as a way yeah. to control people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in Abducted by Plain Sight, there's a multitude of ways in which he essentially, it's funny because they, they talk to a neighbor and he describes, he described it really well. He was like, he has this way of really being charming and generous and sort of making you feel warm and invited into a scenario where he can then completely exploit your trust in him um, to his own gain, basically. Right. So he was just really good at like setting up these, 
first of all, convincing people to do things they wouldn't normally do. Um, but then using that, convincing you to do things that really he could then turn around and create a lot of shame, you know, kind of elicit a lot of shame. And shame is a powerful, powerful voice. I mean, even in yeah. the, with the mom and the teenage daughter where she's immediately like you and these booty, sh-, like it, that's a move to make the daughter feel ashamed, both of her body and of her clothing choices. And that somehow you're wrong, which is so much of the, of how children and young women are victimized when it comes to sexual abuse in particular, right? Like that's, that's how we, that's how oftentimes, not just perpetrators, but again, all the people who become complicit in the abuse pressure the the victim to stay silent. Exactly. Which is, which is always the question, right? Like, why didn't she come forward or why isn't she acting this way or that way? Like we just as much, we have a picture of what, quote unquote, bad people look like. We have a picture of what it looks like when you've been traumatized. Exactly. Which is yeah, also I've... super inaccurate. <clears throat> right, right, right. And I, I think to A, of course, I think that piece about shame is so important, right? Like shame plays out in both of these videos so powerfully. Um, and in and in story about sex in stories about sexual abuse, almost always, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's always there's always an element of shame in these stories. Um, and then I think the other piece, just piggybacking off the, um, ways that, you know, a survivor might respond. Like, you know, we have in one video where the, the, the girl's literally telling her mom, right? Like she's, she's trying to tell her and trying to get out of this situation. Um, and in the other video, the girl is, or the other, the documentary, the girl is trying to protect abuser mm-hmm. m- mostly because of how he's manipulated her and lied to her yeah um, but is you know I think for years insist that you know either nothing is happening or she won't say what's happening um, and I think there's this idea that you know that kids are going to tell that if you ask them or you know mm-hmm. if you just sit them down in a room or even take them to a therapist that they're, you're going to be able to get the story out of them. And I, I, she went years without saying it, even being pressed by her parents. I'm sure the police and FBI asked her questions at some point. Yeah. Um, and none of that, the, the, the story that he had told her and the power that he had over her and her own, I'm sure, fear and shame prevented her from saying anything. So you just don't know how a kid is going to, a, a survivor, even adult survivors, is going to be able to say what's happening to them or not. Absolutely. And when and if they do, what that's going to look like, right? Like, mm-hmm. shouldn't they be, they should be crying or they should be, like, there's so many, like, nuance, like, there is no, because you also don't know how you got here and you don't know um, sort of combining both of these videos again, right? Like in Abducted by Plain Sight, like it's such an elaborate, um, seemingly implausible, but there's good reason for her to, like, I mean, psychologically, I feel like there's good reason for her to believe in it story Mm -hmm. that kind of holds her back. But then... I think too about like, so here in this video with this mom and daughter, 
here she is telling the person that almost instinctually you believe should be your number one protector. Mm-hmm. And based on the mom's response, like that could just as easily be the last time she ever mentions it. Right. Because right. of the mom's response, because of what, how that plays out. It's like, well, why would I say again? Right. And clearly it was my fault. Right. Like, and, right. It was absolutely, you yeah. know, starts to believe from that conversation. That's it's my fault that this happened. How does that play out? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that, um, what, how does that affect her in, in the years to come? I mean, I think also there's also that piece of not only will kids not necessarily tell, but they may still like the girl in the video, she begs to see this man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've, you know, experienced real life cases where kids wanted to continue to be with parents who were abusing them physically, sexually, they would say, well, I still want to be with them or um, I still want to spend time with them. Um, So it's not even a guarantee that they're not going to want to, they're not going to ask to spend time with that person or be with that person. You know, it's, it's just not, we just can't predict necessarily how a kid is going to be able to talk about their own abuse or not. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, it really is. Which comes back around to the, I think the piece about how much we have to be mindful in like our relationship to like children and community and, and of the stories we tell ourselves because, you know, I think about, you know, I was talking about the neighbor who describes the, um, the, the pedophile in abducted by plain sight and was interesting. He describes that. And then he tells the story about going out. Like, I think they went out on a boat for the day mm-hmm. and that experience. And so it's him and his wife and the pedophile. And then this other family's daughter, right? Mind you between the, those two families, there's like eight kids, just right. the one daughter is there. And this man says, I will never do this again. This but is not, then, like, this is not okay. Like there's clearly in my gut, I know that this is not a safe and accept, like something is wrong here. Mm-hmm. And then does nothing, does nothing. And then does nothing. Yeah. And it's that piece of, and I, and I get it. We don't place a lot of value on um, people trusting their own intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that is enough to at least sort of like raise the alarm, right? Like you don't go to jail because somebody suspects something, but to at least raise an alarm that says like, you know what, there's something that doesn't feel okay here. This Mm -hmm. doesn't feel. And the truth is like the point at which that seemed like that was happening in the story. Who knows what the girl would have said, but it was long before things had escalated to where they got to where, right. Where there was no way she was going to say because of what he had threatened her with. Exactly. Yeah. No, I agree. There are multiple points where the parents said, well, we felt a little uncomfortable or we didn't like it, but we thought, Oh, it's fine. And I, you have to listen to that part of yourself that says something is wrong here. And that doesn't necessarily mean you could file charges at that point or something like that, but you can certainly remove your child from this person's presence. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's certainly an appropriate action to take if you don't feel like it's safe or you, or you just feel that something is off. Yes. And how often, and I can say like as a parent, like, again, circling back to like the people who pose the, and it's not to say that your family and friends by, you know, most of them are going to pose danger to your children. But if somebody is going to abuse your child, it is most likely going to be someone your child knows who's in proximity. And so I can say like when my kids were very small, like that did not always make me popular with extended family or various friends because the social norm is give auntie such and such a hug. You have to go do this. Oh, they want to, because, because we're close and Mm -hmm. I, you know, like I recognized pretty early on, like I felt strongly enough about it and, you know, being in grad school and studying child maltreatment mm-hmm. <laughs> part of my, part of my research assistantship. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can only read so many of those studies before you're just basically like, I'm going to wrap my kid in bubble wrap and also never let them. My, yeah. You're just going like, to them everywhere until <laughs> you're 18. Um, or 50, whatever. Or 50, whatever. However long it takes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that is, there is, we can't protect children from everything. But I think doing, learning how to be comfortable in A, trusting that like inner voice mm-hmm. and that gut intuition and then acting on that, I think is one of the things that parents don't do often enough for a lot of different reasons that probably has the potential to have the biggest impact on helping our children stay safe Mm -hmm. because not just because you, you have a good read on things, but also you model for them that social norms or politeness should never trump your sense of safety. And if somebody makes you uncomfortable, it's okay to leave that situation. It's okay. Like you don't need anything more than your own discomfort to just to like draw a boundary and that drawing a boundary doesn't mean that like, it doesn't always have to be dramatic either. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It can be as simple as you don't get to spend time with my kid anymore. Right. Just, I'm just, or at the very least it's always supervised. Like right. if you're really sort of uncertain, like at the very least saying, well, you'll never be alone with my child. Yeah. Um, that, I, yeah. We're just a no to that. And that's, um, that's okay. Right. Um, And I think, you know, at this point, there's a lot more, there's a lot more understanding of of that, you know, obviously than there was at that point. Yeah, you know, definitely. Um, And I do think sometimes people say, well, it's a little bit of hysteria around, you know, what if something happens? What if, what if this person is a pedophile? But I got to tell you, the hysteria feels better than this scenario where people are not aware of what could happen. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. I mean, I think that the other piece to this, too, kind of going back to what we were talking about in terms of, like, bad people, quote unquote, like, how unhelpful that construct is, right? Like, how they're looking – part of the reason that in the the abducted case – Part of the reason is that the family is like, but he's such a nice guy. 
he's such a personable guy. They're looking for a bad person to look like a bad person, to seem mm-hmm. like a bad person in his day-to-day sort of interactions with them. And A, he's not because he's full-on trying to groom their child um, into having an, a relationship with him so that he can then sexually abuse her. And then also shame and manipulate them so that you know right. they give him access to her mm-hmm. um so he had you know even more reasons to to be nice to them and to be sort of you know personable and send them a fruit basket and i think that was how he like started <laughs> off the relationship i think um, so you know but this idea that people who do bad things are going to that you're just going to know off the bat it's just not helpful it's it's not helpful and it's also not accurate I mean this is an this this guy is an extreme case I would say but most people who do bad things they don't see themselves as bad actors they don't view themselves as bad people and they don't view themselves as intentionally hurting people or wanting ill will for people, ill will for people. Um, They're not going through their life thinking about it that way. This mom does not think that she's a bad person for doing what she's doing for saying what she's saying to her daughter in that um, first video. Um, She doesn't, she has an idea about why she, why her daughter is saying this to her and whatever her idea is, is wrong, right. but it's wrong. She doesn't but... know that. She doesn't yeah. know that that's wrong. Yeah. No, you know? she really doesn't. And I think, I mean, even in there, she literally says like, she's more than once, right? Like he's a good man. Mm-hmm. And so we like the idea that like, whatever that means to her. Right. I think at some point she says like he pays the bills or something like that, but like she's constructed a story of what it means to be a good man. Mm-hmm. And therefore he is, and therefore he couldn't be doing whatever the daughter suggested and right. whatever her internal story is around like, I'm, you know, whatever, whatever it is she thinks she's giving this child that she's, you know, presumably doesn't appreciate or what, you know, whatever her inner story is, that's, and that's how most of us operate. Like, and I think this desire for it to be something else, it is it just gets in the way. It actually, it puts us in so much more danger. And I always think about it in terms of like, sometimes I'll even say to people like, when was the last time you watched a, um, with the exception of the brother in objected in plain sight, who oh, was like his own <laughs> person. Yes. Who was like, nah, I, yeah, now nah, that sound about right. This, yeah. This seems like, it's like, oh, this is weird. Well, nope. This is pretty much what my brother does. Like this is, but nine times out of 10, if you see a story and they're like, oh, this person abducted somebody and then they're going to do the true crime thing. They go back and they talk to the neighbors and the coworkers and the friends. Like mostly there's lots of people who are like, oh, they were really nice. Or I remember that one time Mm -hmm. he bought me coffee or he was always funny. Occasionally they're like, oh, he's a little weird. But for the most part, anybody, you find someone who's done something heinous to one person or even several people, the likelihood is that you can also find an entire collection of people in their life who at some point or another thought they were a good person. Exactly. Who enjoyed some aspect of who they were 
And so if you're looking for people, you know, monsters don't show up looking like monsters. Right. And, you know, again, this guy is an extreme example. Most people who do bad things, they're also doing legitimately good things. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, it's not this just, you know, even the mom in our video, I don't know what all her relationship looks like with her daughter, but she probably, you know, they presumably go on shopping trips together and spend time together. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's, there's something enough of a connection that the daughter even thought to even tried to tell her in the first place. So there's some level of connection that she even thought she might be able to tell her. Um, So it's, it's not just this whole, just, just I'm a bad person and I'm doing bad things and, everything I do is bad and everything I do is awful. It's, it's just never that simple. No, we just want it to be. Cause that makes life easier. We think, right. <laughs> right. We think it makes life easier. Cause it actually doesn't. Not at all. Nope. Not at all. Yeah. Well, and I think that's also how, you know, I think also it's interesting talking about these, these sort of cases in the abstract, right? Like we're used to sort of being in the room usually years later. Um, And in the room years later, if I were doing say work with, let's say we were doing work with that mom and that daughter, I'm sure I feel reasonably confident. I could find some place of empathy or connection for that mom. Mm -hmm. And I say that because that's happened in therapy before people who have done you know terrible things to their children or their i haven't worked with a lot of people who've done terrible things to their children not so great things to their children not so great things (laughs) and not so great things to their spouses or other family members but there's almost always something something in that person that we can connect with or something that even if it doesn't justify their hate behavior or, you know, I can never fully understand it. It's some sort of bridge or connection um, to what their experience was and how they got to that place of, of doing this thing to a family member or their Mm -hmm. child, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There is, I mean, that's, I think in some ways that's how we were able to do this work. Like there is almost, I was going to say there's always something redeeming. I don't know if redeeming is the right word. Not quite redeeming, but. I guess, I mean, in some way, just human, right? Like uh, I get it. I get whatever, you know, like the mom in the video, like I get that maybe this is your, maybe she had her own story of trauma and abuse that was much more horrific. Right. Mm -hmm. And so her, her story is I treat you better than I was ever treated. I provide this house for you. I buy these things for you. He's nice to you. He, he gives me the money so I can buy you the show, whatever, like stop trying to like kind of screw up what all these things that I've created for you and is missing, you know, and, and that happens a lot. People use their own pain as the benchmark. Right. That becomes the normal rather than what. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it is, um, yeah, these, I don't know. 
<laughs> these were particularly, for whatever reason, these were hard uh, things for me to watch <laughs> this week. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> well, and it's funny. I think I, we were each sort of, uh, I, I was particularly rocked by the mom-daughter, and I think you were more rocked by the, um, the abducted case. Um, yeah. They were both very hard. Um, but it is, I think in some ways harder to sort of process them in the abstract than when you have real live humans in front of you Mm -hmm. who you get to connect with them and their story and, and, and all of it, as opposed to, you know, the distance of watching a video, um, on your laptop or whatever. Right. There's, there is that. (laughs) Right. There's so, that part where it's like, oh, okay, this feels like a lot of watch. This is a lot to watch. Yeah. <laughs> so I will say, though, I mean, it's, I think the, I, we hadn't really talked about this, but in terms of like, in particular, the woman, the, well, she's now woman, obviously, who was abducted. Um, but I just thought it was in it's always brave to share your story, but there is so much shame and so much potential for, I, I mean, I'm sure they're getting, that family is getting hate mail and all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's so important that she, she shared that story, that that family shared that story, that they all agreed to be interviewed and to talk about some really difficult, painful shameful stuff Mm -hmm. I mean I think that's just you know one of the ways that we aid to help prevent you know other families from ending up in that situation but also people who are sexually abused to feel like you can you know you can reach out you can get help you can talk about it because yeah be hard pressed to find sure there are more difficult stories and I don't want to start getting into some sort of like suffering Olympics but no it's it's up there that's it's up that there. one is is up there yes there are it is a multi multi multi-layered scenario going on there um and I I think that that is important like that that's a yeah I, I was I'm very impressed with just her with the whole family's willingness and ability to kind of to show up and be willing to share this and talk about it. Cause that's really hard. I mean, and I, I would imagine that for all of the hate mail that I'm sure they get, because I mean, here we are two therapists and even we are like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Even we a- had to be like, Oh, <laughs> let me find my, let me find my like curiosity. And, yeah. And, mm-hmm. Right. Like I would yep. say like, you can't be, judgmental and curious at the same time so if you can get into a place of curiosity then you're not judgmental so it's like let me find my curiosity yeah find my empathy so I can try to stay in that place and not in a place of what the hell is going on here yes um because it'd be very easy to stay in that place with with this with that story in particular it really 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 would be um but but the flip side of that is I'm also sure that there are lots and lots of people who may or may not be able to actually watch that film. I will say like, I think if you have a history of, of trauma, that may be a really difficult one to watch and to sort of really hear their story. But, 
but to know that there that there is space like it doesn't need to be on Netflix but you're you can find space to talk about what your own experiences and to be supported and and to have it you know have a different experience I think that that's possible Mm -hmm. which is a really that's always I think the gift when people that it's not just about being sensational and sort of exploiting people's pain and suffering that there's an opportunity for it to be modeling and encouraging and a you know it's a little bit of a me too moment Mm -hmm. and I don't I mean that less in the hashtag sense and more like legitimately here's another person in the world who's going oh I also had this experience even if you're not like telling it publicly right yeah and it and that that there can be obviously for her and for the family to be able to tell this story in any sort of coherent and I, I mean they were you know coherent detailed and seemingly not emotionally lost in it like it seems like there has to have been some degree of obviously healing that's yeah. happened um yeah. with that and then with the the video with the mother daughter so i found this out like basically right before we went to record this podcast we found this out that it's actually a reenactment based on um, a girl's story. And they, I guess they use, I don't know the full details. All I found was that it was a reenactment. Um, so I guess they use actors to do it. Um, so a real scenario, but not the video itself is not real. Which is helpful, which is probably why it was less. Like I watched maybe the first like, 30 seconds the first time you sent it to me mm-hmm. and we're just like no so I was like not, not tonight <laughs> no not tonight yes <laughs> some other time but it's good because then by the time I watched it I was like oh okay reenactment still appalling but I can watch this with a little bit more detachment right as opposed to I watched it four times not yeah. knowing any of that and being yeah. every day on Twitter there's something that makes me like I have to put down my phone and walk away. And whenever I first saw this video, that was definitely the thing that was like, I have to put down my phone and walk away and maybe cry and maybe cry. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think I like, 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 uh, sent it to you in like a, a haze of Mm -hmm. somebody else has to experience this. Watch this. It can't just be me. I can't watch it alone. I can't do this alone. Uh, but also right like the the I don't know the full t- details but the reenactment I think she hooked up with some sort of trauma services either like community or 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 advocacy group or something then that's why she was telling her story um, so even that is actually coming from a place of a survivor mm-hmm. telling their story um, and trying to, you know, presumably trying to help other people um, avoid, either avoid such situations or feel like they can tell their story. Yeah. So there you go. So we've talked about how, let's face it, really shitty parents can be sometimes. Um, sure. Horrifically so. But I think on a high note, which is to say that there are, you know, that there's, healing and there's treatment available and people can find like even in scenarios that seem 
horrific. And even when you have a parent who is unable to provide you with the kind of protection and support that you are entitled to as a child, that Mm -hmm. there are other places, like you can still get that. You can in fact, you know, move back, move from your place of trauma and pain into something different. You can sort I think more than survive that. Right. Exactly. And that, you know, I think it's just important to, to remind people like you're, we are, we are hearing like, well, we're hearing quite a bit from the abducted family in terms of like the full scope of their story. Um, but even that, like to understand that you're, we're only getting pieces of a puzzle, right? Like mm-hmm. it's totally different when you are with someone one-on-one than when you're watching a, a documentary on Netflix or whatever, yeah. that understanding that, that the full scope of why a parent can make those choices is much more complicated than that. Yeah. And I think, I think that is actually really important, a a really important thing for people to remember before you that. And so get curious, right? Like, like Mm -hmm. you were saying before we jump to our place of like, Oh, these are terrible people and they're so awful. Like just you, you're watching it on TV. So you're never, you're probably never going to get the answer, but can you be a little curious about what, would it take to get to a place that allows you to make some of the decisions you see people making? Mm-hmm. I think that makes us not only less judgmental and more compassionate, but I think it also makes, puts us in a place where we're better able to support people who have experienced trauma, who have it, who are experiencing and even beyond trauma, other things that you may not be able to connect to personally, but if you're curious, then, maybe you can provide them with at least a sense of humanity around it. Right. And it also helps protect you from thinking like, just sort of saying to yourself, like, well, they're a good person. They would never do that. Mm -hmm. And not that we should just go around thinking everybody could do something evil, but sort of to not close your mind either way to not sort of say like, well, it's impossible for them to have done this terrible thing. Well, Mm -hmm. People are more complicated than that. Yeah. You know, that you can have both more sort of like empathy and sort of like more understanding that, you know, a bad person, a person who does, I don't even like saying the term bad person, the person who does bad things is not necessarily just going to be walking around doing bad things everywhere they go and to everyone they meet and under all circumstances. And it's not it's most of the time it's not going to be obvious. No, it's not. And so if you can sit in that space of all of us are capable of making bad choices and doing and having bad behavior. Mm -hmm. And so can I listen? And I think that other part, right? Like, can you listen to your own internal intuition around people? Because I think a lot of times people use the, the bad people scenario, like framework to, silence the voice that's like something about this doesn't feel right and then you're sort of like how did I not see this coming and I think that goes like in day-to-day life that happens beyond you know people who are abusing children and and are sexually assaulting somebody like just day-to-day life where you're like how did I end up dating this guy or you know how did I end up friends with somebody who would take advantage of me in this way Mm -hmm. like just leaving room for people to be fully human 
and some of the bad things we do and for yourself to be fully human right exactly for yourself too like that sometimes that you know this came up in our couples workshop a few weeks ago that sometimes people will say well I'm just terrible at this or I'm just bad like and then that sort of like abdicates you from responsibility and it's like no no you're Mm -hmm. a fully human person who does bad things and also good things and you have to work on figuring that out it's not the end of the story to just say I'm a bad person or I'm a good person that's that's not the end of it for yourself or for anyone around you exactly so people are complicated I know people get annoyed when we say well it depends but motherfuckers it depends it always depends (laughs) can't just be going around here like saying blanket statements like (laughs) people really do get annoyed with that right I'm so annoyed oh my god and I'm like well I could give you four different scenarios as to how this could play out or why this might be the case. (laughs) And I've only been thinking about it for 45 seconds. So, (laughs) so yeah, I can't be helpful. Yes. So I, I I feel like in our future is probably an episode where we're just going to talk about the annoying things that therapists say. Oh Um, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just, we won't even talk. We'll just have like, you know, our, you know friends and husbands and people we've dated just have them all come on just read (laughs) just the list the list (laughs) oh my god speaking of which I said something to a client the other day that was something like you know a you know well it's like a psychic wound and I was like I have crossed over into full-on therapist territory I am sitting here talking about (laughs) psychic wounds like because that's real (laughs) I know (laughs) it is not a thing I thought would ever be coming out of my mouth in a serious way in a professional setting but here I am talking about psychic wounds yep absolutely yeah it's amazing the things you start talking about the longer you do this the more you're like oh huh that's who I am now (laughs) that's me well, it's funny because, uh, and I know we should we should wrap up because we're getting way off topic, but my best friend, I, I used to say, well, we would talk about whatever was going on in our lives. And I'd say, well, do you want me to give advice as your friend or do you want me to give advice as a therapist? And she would say, you know, both or just as a friend or whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I literally can't separate that anymore. Like as time has gone on, I'm I'm not able to say... I'm not able to, to provide two separate streams of thought. No, very rarely at this point. Am I able to do that? Yeah, no, I'm just like, this is just who I am now. Yeah. Like that's (laughs) okay. Take it or leave it. (laughs) (laughs) This is who I am as a, yeah, just as a person in the world, this is how I see things. Like I can't see them differently anymore. Yeah. Yeah. All these experiences have changed me. And so now when, Somebody says that, oh, this person's a bad mom. I'm just like, well, you know. Is she, is she though? I mean, <laughs> she probably got a story, you know. <laughs> That's what I think now, right? Like, I don't, it takes a really extreme situation for me to be like, no, that person's a bad person. Like, I, it. Yeah. This guy in the abducted video is a, he's, he can be called a bad person. He's a bad person. That's, but- yeah, He's extreme, and doesn't that though. feel like it feels a, still feels a little weird to say it? And I immediately yeah. go to like, 
well, he's a bad person because, right? Like, I, there's these things and the lack of empathy suggests this. And, like, I'm still, like, there's there still, still has reasons. to be a story, right? Like, there's still reasons. Right. You know, don't spend time with him. No, don't be around don't, him. Right. Ever. You should never, no one should ever be, have ever been around him. No. Um, and someone should have intervened he early. There for a reason, like, right? Yeah. Like, he is that person either because of something happened to him or something in his brain or some combination of the two, most likely, um, Mm -hmm. you know, nobody wakes up and just decides to be a manipulative pedophilic sociopath, sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wakes up and decides to do that. Yeah. No, they don't. Or to, or to not believe their kids sexual abuse. Nobody wakes up and is like, that's what I'm going to do today. Yeah, been giving it some thought, wondering what to do with my weekend. I've decided. I've decided this is leave my kid when she tells me this horrible thing. Yeah, no, nobody's doing that. No one does that. But people don't believe us when we say that. Yeah, well, you know, it's hard. It's hard to you know what? It's hard to stay in this. It's hard to sit in the curiosity. It's hard to stay in the space where you go. People are actually capable of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I think as therapists, we just tend to lean in the, the, in the positive direction. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I see somebody behaving poorly and I, I think you're probably, you're also capable of, you know, extraordinary forgiveness and, and change and resilience and love and all of these like really nice things. But I also know equally you are capable of some really horrific things. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. So we just want the rest of the world to, to join us in sitting in that like slightly murky middle of like people are capable of a lot, including ourselves. Right. Also, I'll just say (laughs) last thing. If you're worried, if you're really deeply worried, you're a bad parent. You're probably not a bad parent. Yeah. It's never the people who are deeply worried that they're bad parents that are bad parents. Um, Yeah. That comes up sometimes. I'm like, ah, I'm a terrible parent. And I'm like, no, I don't think those words mean what you think they mean. No. Yeah. Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah. That is, I mean, I feel like that almost, almost completely across the board. Like if you are worried that you're not being a good friend or you're not a good, you know, spouse, or like if you have a genuine concern where you really are evaluating yourself and going, I don't know if I'm doing this well, the likelihood is that you're not, you are not bad at it. Cause the fact, just the questioning is like 50% of being good. Right. The evaluating and going, maybe I should be doing this better. Like, that's that's the key part, really. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the super important part. <laughs> All right, I think we'll go ahead and wrap up. I think we will. Well, we will. S- I was going to say we'll see everyone. We won't see everyone, but we will definitely talk to you uh, or talk at you. How does this work? Hopefully, more often. Hopefully, yeah. Get some systems in place to help us get more podcast episodes out yay 2019 is going to be full of erica and esther you're welcome yes (laughs) (laughs) it's everyone's total dream don't worry obviously (laughs) obviously (laughs) all right well we will catch you in the next episode see you later So what'd you think of today's episode? If you're listening in the anchor.fm app, hit the button up at the top and leave us a message. 
You can also send us messages on Instagram or Twitter at EstherBMFT and at Ian Flats. You can send us your therapist problems, suggestions for read, listen, watch, or ideas for upcoming episodes. And with that being said, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, anchor.fm. Catch you in the next episode.